Scott and Paul Show, episode 35. A lot of things have gone on, but eh, we're figured out. This is another bad code opening, but we're going to keep going. Were you talking? What? Were you talking? Are you talking? I was looking at Pokemon Go, I'm sorry. Yeah. Ah, Scott's finally made it inside. Oh, shit, this is a bad code opening, but it's Scott and Paul's show. What the fuck ever, who cares? Nobody's listening, everybody's got their head in their fucking lap playing Pokemon Go. Hope nobody gets ran over by a fucking truck. Did you say something again? Scott and Paul Show, episode 35. Scott, what the fuck are you doing? Oh, Trying wait. to catch this Pokemon. All right, anyways, I'm, yeah. hold on. Let me just throw my phone against the wall so I'll quit playing it. Why don't you just get on the like, fucking treadmill? Play it, doesn't work. it doesn't work like that. It's based off a of GPS. You have to move. Your location has to move. Let's say that. Uh, can you use a VPN? Mm, no, it's tied into your GPS. Uh. Yeah, it's tied. You're, I don't think you can cheat it. Uh. Yet. Well, I guess since we're starting on that, we, we'll just go ahead and talk about how Pokemon Go success has added $7.5 billion to Nintendo's market value. Holy shit. <laughs> That's a lot of money. That yeah, the, money. the microtransactions, I haven't gotten into any of those yet. I'm assuming you have to, you can buy candy to speed that process up to evolve your Pokemon, but I don't know for sure. I'm only level five. Um, it, it is fun, and it's fun to do it with your kids. The uh, augmented reality feature actually works really well. Yeah. So I think people should try it out. Yeah, fuck that. I, ain't, I will never play that game. No, you live in a dangerous neighborhood. Yeah. According to... Yeah, I'm not going to walk around West Huntington with... Not a, paying attention a, to your surroundings? Yeah, with a <laughs> $800 high phone. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we are like the number one OD <laughs> city in, in America. No, that's not going to happen. Um Nintendo is having their best day since 1983, according to David Ingalls. This was in July 11, 2016. Um, wow. Yeah. Their stock price, um, there's been some huge increases. So if you have a lot of Nintendo stock, if you cash out now, huh, good for you. Um, the markets, or the, the uh, speculators are saying it's really not the time to buy. Um, there's a lot of uncertainty with Nintendo's future because they haven't even announced anything on NX. 
there's Wii U with, you know, it remains to be seen what kind of damage that overall package has done. And, but this seems like a very good step in the right direction. And I'm not an investor. Like I'm not a stock market analyst that knows jack shit what he's talking about. But yeah, I can see people picking this up and dropping it. It's actually pretty fun and well-made, but people are easily distracted. Um, also, Nintendo has a history, and this is another reason why I wouldn't invest in it, uh, which I do have some investments, but clearly I'm doing this pod show, so I haven't made any money yet. Um, <laughs> the uh, thing is, the way people are so fickle uh, and the way Nintendo doesn't like controversy with their apps where, like, you know, if there's a way to, to draw a dick, they're going to remove it from the, the game. So I can see people camping these hotspots, waiting for kids to walk by, and that creating a situation, and Nintendo saying, nope, we're not going to be a part of that. And then now where's all the money go- going? I don't blame Nintendo if some freaking creeper does that, because that's a risk you take. If you're going to walk around outside, this is a dangerous world. It always has been, it always will be. But Nintendo has been fickle with some of their apps in the past on like 3DS. There, I mean, look at how you got to do the friend codes. Look at how you got to do your interaction with friends on the Wii U. I, I think any the more controversy builds, the less safe it is for people who bought stock now. On the bright side, ignoring Nintendo's history, uh, apparently businesses can pay to make their businesses hotspots for uh, various different things inside the game. So that could be a shit ton of revenue with the, um, I don't even know what the word to describe what's going on with Pokemon Go is now, just how widespread and big it is. It's a fucking hit, like a huge hit. Is it a Blue Ocean hit? I think it is. I think this is a Blue Ocean hit as long as Nintendo doesn't freaking just yank the plug. Yeah, but keeping in mind, Pokemon is not a Nintendo game. It is no, they're only sharing what a third of the revenue off this or something. Yeah, it's a partnership. But Nintendo will reap benefits. I mean, they're only a third owner, and it was a seven point five billion dollar increase. So, they've already done fourteen million dollars in microtransactions. Yeah. I don't know if that was Nintendo's cut or if they only got a cut of that $14 million, but that's a pretty decent revenue to have rolling in every few days. According to one equity analysis, Pokemon Go will need to create around $140 million to $196 million in turnover each month to have a significant impact on Nintendo's profits. Hmm. How long-term could they even hope to achieve a number like that? I don't know. It's pretty big, and it hasn't even released in a few markets yet. Uh, so, uh, Singapore, places like that. I'm pretty sure there was a story about Singapore not having it, and some guy was like really racist towards Singapore as a nation from Australia. So the government forced him to apologize. Hmm. Yeah. So some they some of these countries don't even have it. So there's still potentially millions upon millions of customers that just don't have it yet. Um, and the last bit of news might as well, even though this should be later on, let's just lump it together. Legendary Pictures is possibly closing in on a Pokemon live action film. Now's the time. Get the hype train going. 
That's good for the movie and good for the app. Legendary Pictures is said to be making a deal to adapt Pokemon live action film. Uh, this the source was Deadline, so they should hire Pixar to do a Pokemon film. Well, does Pixar weren't... really do adaptations, or do they come up with original shit? Don't they? Pixar only does original films. Yeah, um, and maybe that maybe they wouldn't be any good at adaptations. I mean, you could do it. Yeah, we, we could do. write that. We could, we could do it. We got to hire another writer to write the second and third acts. Yeah. <laughs> the first act will have an alien invasion, guaranteed. Yeah. Alien Pokemon. Do they have alien Pokemon? They don't have alien Pokemon, do they? <sighs> like water, that earth, plant, fire. Oh man, an invasion by alien Pokemon. Yeah. I'm to- I might be totally wrong on that. Uh, listeners that are Pokemon fans from way back, uh, we were just a hair too old uh, at the time it came out. And now, well, I mean, I'm not really too old anymore. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, what, 15 or 16 when it got really super popular that I recall. Yeah. 95, 96. So I think it came out like 92 or something, but it was huge in 95, 96. It didn't really hit in America until. Yeah, it was a couple years later, but yeah, I would have totally been into it in the sixth grade. I'll guarantee it. But I wasn't in the sixth grade when I became aware of it. I think so. seventh. But I love it now. Grade. Uh, yeah, around seventh, eighth grade is like Pokemon, Digimon. Yeah, I remember that. Digimon. Yu-Gi-Oh! But I was I was past all that. Yeah. Um, but now I like that stuff. I don't play the card games, but Mighty Morphin Power Rangers and all I that. Like, like, I like the video games and I like um which I mean I really haven't really said I'm playing one of the RPGs in years, but um I like the whole Pokemon what do you call it when you talk about the iStore i store, the iPhone store, iPhone, Apple Store. The ecosystem? The ecosystem. I like I like the whole environment of pokemon it's you know pokemon friendly and white and, and yeah, red and all that it's bullshit. it's promoting racism what um the uh the, the cartoons i mean it's just typical saturday japanese style cartoons you got the little monsters you got something to collect you know the kids like it so we've got a stack of the cards we've just kind of haven't sat down to really figure it out well I've watched a few of the movies. They're not bad. They're not great. You know, the first one was pretty violent. There's I one. haven't seen that one. You never saw the first one? No. Man, I can't name the ones that I have seen, but um, Pokemon enjoyed the first one. So my kids like it, but they're they're not like crazy about it. But they freaking love Pikachu, which is no surprise. And Charizard, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so yeah. when they saw those amiibos, they had to have them, and yeah. I love amiibos, so it worked yeah, out. Yeah, you little amiibo whore. I need to get me a Greninja now that he's easy to get and doesn't cost an arm and a leg. Oh, yeah. He's 118 <laughs> yeah, amiibos. Everything. Or 108 amiibos or something. There's over 100 amiibos. I didn't even realize that. A Pokemon amiibos? No, just amiibos. Oh. Well, it's considering you have about 80% of them, I thought you would know, Scott. I need to do a count. Well, we don't have time on this show. we got to keep this thing under an hour. 
Uh, Sony will uh, make sure that even though you do not have a PlayStation Move controller, every PlayStation VR game will support the DualShock 4. So there you go. You don't have to really go out there and buy those fucking Move controllers. No. I bet I have 50 at least. Anyways, I'm looking at 25 boxes up right now. And that's just when I started thinking, hey, I'll keep those boxes. If I cut them right, I'll be able to slide the characters back in someday. Yeah, I know it's lame. But they're so colorful. Jesus, Scott, you spent at least $600 on those fucking amiibos. Probably more than that. It's taken a while. <laughs> And some of them I didn't buy, like um, uh, like kids' birthdays. They got a few from aunts and uncles and grandparents and stuff, too. I need to get the Duck Hunt and Dog 3-pack. I still haven't got it. Telltale says a new Batman trailer will be coming this month. And since we posted this in our little doc here, there's been an update on July 12th. Uh, Batman will be coming next week. So there you go. You get your first trailer next week. Oh my gosh. We got to wait a week. Yeah. That's, it's pretty bad when you really anticipate a trailer almost as much as you do a major release movie. You know, like Ghostbusters. What? Minecraft story mode. Episode (laughs) seven will be coming this month. If anybody's actually playing that. Paul doesn't take the bait. Uh, No. Hey, Rotten Tomatoes is like seventy some percent. Of course, somebody you look gave, at it; it's somebody fucking gave it, uh, an A minus on um, Latino review. So, Vox, BuzzFeed, Huffington Post. I mean, with all the controversy going around the game, you can't trust or the movie. You cannot trust the reviews on it at all. You can't trust reviews, anyways, guys. Period. No, I mean, no, I don't give. Yeah, and even then, yeah, you can trust us. You can trust us because one's going to hate it, and one's going to love it. <laughs> so. Yeah, so you know it's somewhere in between, probably. Yeah. Um, if but Scott loves it, I'm going to hate it. There, there, there is a segment of the internet that are internet trolls that saw females and got mad. I don't think it's the majority of people that didn't like the trailer, but I do think that's enough of a segment that there may be some of that backlash in reviews. But I also know the social justice warriors – We'll see four p four females on screen and give it a pass no matter what happens. So you know, Vox, VentureBeat, uh, BuzzFeed, those places they're they're going to give good reviews. They already have given good reviews. Yeah, it's almost like there, the, there's uh, no bad reviews possible from those websites. It's almost like the post on Reddit where it says upvoted because of female. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's you, yeah. Yeah. And I would say there's probably more positive added to it than there will be from the negative trolls because most of the negative trolls that hated it because there were females in it don't really work for publications. Yeah, <laughs> so, they don't have an agenda. Yeah, they're not going to be on Rotten Tomatoes. Now, they but might this, be on Metacritic or the user score, but if you're going by the the, the critics, you, they're not going to be on there. I, mean, I think it's cool. I think it's inflated. I, I don't, want, don't really want to get into it, but I mean, I have to go see the movie, though. I'm not going to pay to go see it, but the thing is, it's not because you're girls; it's because you're rebooting it. I mean, shit. With 
with the shit current style of what passes for comedy, you know, even if you it, comedy evolves, there's no doubt about it. But you got to have some flavor of that comedy that came out of Ghostbusters, and not this slapstick fucking. I, I I just can't believe that I'm actually offended at the black characterization in this film. When you take it's disgusting. Well, when you take something as beloved that's as my the problem. Ghostbusters. Yeah, you're gonna no talk about what you did with it. It's it's gonna be rough. I even and really like the look, second one. Look what happened with yeah. Henry Cavill. In the cartoon. You're, and the preceding was uh, Brandon Routh. That was still shit. Why? Because look at who he had to play beforehand you had christopher reeve you're going to be fucked no matter what yeah basically no and it's still shit on yeah and ralph did a great job yeah it's just he he was playing christopher reeve Reeve playing superman yeah even batman begins had a rough go because you're you still had well you were fucked because you were still coming out from trying to be Okay, well, George Clooney and Val Kilmer basically killed Michael Keaton's Batman. Yeah. Christian Bell, I mean, they did a good job and they brought it back, but they had a rough go at it. Oh, absolutely. Um, That was a movie when Batman Begins trailers first came out. I didn't even know they were making a Batman movie. And I don't know how I didn't because I always got on the internet and checked this shit. I guess maybe I just wasn't paying attention to some of the stuff for, I don't know. Maybe I was fucking playing MMO. I don't know. But anyways, I wasn't even aware the movie was coming out until I was sitting in theaters to watch something else and saw the trailer. That was one of the first times I was shocked by the release of, probably the last time I was shocked by the release of a movie. Oh, they made a movie in that series again? (laughs) And I was not fucking interested, even after the trailer. I was just like, fuck this. I saw Batman and Robin. I saw Batman Forever. You know, fuck off. I didn't even care that much for Returns because I thought they went off the chain with a few things. It was good, but it it was a huge step back from the first one, in my opinion. And Batman Forever, Val Kilmer really wasn't that bad, but he wasn't Michael fucking Keaton. I'm like, that bad's not even a fair characterization. He was decent. He was good. He wasn't great. He wasn't fantastic. He wasn't Michael Keaton. That's a tall order. Um, It was a script. It was a script and the beginning of that neon fucking bullshit and obsession in the Batman series. And maybe as a one-off to have that look in one film wouldn't have been that big a deal. But when it was one of the pervasive elements in the next film and it started having black lights in everything. Remember the hockey guys, they all glue or glue. Did I just say that? They all glow. Yeah. yeah, all glue. Jesus criminy. Um, but yeah, I mean, fuck off, Batman. <laughs> you guys fucking rape Batman every chance you get, Hollywood. Batman like in VR is listed at $20. And, yeah. And they all glue. They all glue. They With all three glue out of seven together. good fucking movies. That's, Batman and Robin hurt my brain. Yeah. And I say words like, they glue. Yeah. Um, at least I caught it. But there, if it's $20... Um, now, this is no idea how much it's going to cost on PlayStation Store, but Amazon and Best Buy both have this anticipated at $20 for pre-order. So 
that gives you a good indication of how much money, I mean, how long this game's going to be. Probably about, what, two, three hours, if that? Uh, if I'm not mistaken, didn't the Walking Dead releases come in at $5 a pop at five episodes? So you had about two to two and a half hours an episode, didn't you? This is yeah. just one game, though. This, oh, this it's is- not going to be episode. Nope. This all oh, self-contained. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and I'll be nice and give it four hours. Four hours. I'll say four hours. That's just me being completely cynical towards fucking developer studios. But how you never know. It might be 10 hours. You know? Uh, Rocksteady. If it is, you're probably de- doing something. Rocksteady has gone to shit. Maybe it's six hours. Very happy last- medium. I mean, they so fucked up the last Batman game. Someone at work was talking about the fucking driving missions. Yeah. They were like, if it had been like two or three of those as like kind of a bonus thing, wouldn't have been no big deal, but it was just like you were stuck. You were stuck. The the Batmobile, I had no problem with the Batmobile being in the game. It's just you got into tank battle after tank battle after tank battle after tank battle after tank battle. It's just who who's whoever made this game, they're the game director, whoever you are, fuck you. You know not one goddamn thing about Batman. Their whole concept of Batman is this well his toys. When, when I think of Batman, I think of fucking tank battles. If you want to make a fucking tank game, why don't you go fucking make Battlefront? Or Battlefield, whatever the fuck the game is. You could have made fucking Battlefront. It's like, I wanna go make a fucking Gungan game. I mean, what the fuck? I mean, that brought the game down so much. Or make it optional. Skip it. It was such... Oh, my God. It turned into a fucking driving game. The, uh, that's why... in the in the PC version of the game was so fucked they had to take it off the Steam store and stop selling it because the game was fucked. Yeah, I mean listen, I've wanted the Batmobile in this series of games for a while, but there need, it's gotta be fun first off and it's gotta which, you know whatever, but being stuck, like you said just wave after wave after wave and that focus on it, you know Batman's about fucking being a crazy fucking beating the shit out of people. <laughs> yeah. With cool toys. They've done that very well. Um, the Batmobile, I don't know. I don't know. There's just it, things that could be done. They just fucked it up. They've got a, it, it needs addressed. You need the Batmobile. You maybe even give the fucking Batwing a chance. I don't know. It's like they artificially extended the game by doing this. Yeah. Like, well, we need to make the game 20-plus hours. Let's just bring in a fucking horde mode, basically. Horde mode. Oh, so many games stuck on this horde mode stuff. Not that, I mean, I appreciate when it's well done. But, man, it's like there's so many games. It's like horde mode, rinse, repeat, horde oh, mode, rinse, repeat. problem right there. Well done. Yeah, yeah that exactly. Well done. That's that's the ask. That's what we're asking for. That's crazy. So, But I have Doom on the way. It was on sale. I finally broke. $30? 30 bucks. I broke on that. Yeah. 
It'll be fifteen dollars in three months, and I'll be pissed. But whatever. Well, I, I, I almost got on that Steam sale when I was talking to you about it. Uh huh. I was like, I just couldn't do it. It's only what twelve hour game, fifteen hour. Something like that. I got three or four friends that's playing it pretty heavy, so that was kind of the thing that swung me over to going ahead and grabbing it. Um. So I can not play with them like I always do when I buy a game that they have. Yeah. I'll wait another three months and they'll be done with it. And then I'll be like, hey, guys, we'll play Doom. They're like, no, nah, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll look at their game list they're playing. And I'll be like, we're back on Destiny. And I'll be like, you fucking suck. Well, we can just go Destiny, back. the best, worst game I've ever fucking played. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll just go back and play Broforce. Yeah, that's some good shit. Well, they don't like Brave Force. Well, because they're not good people. Because it's difficult. Yeah. So I can't it's believe you like it. TV series coming to Fox and Marvel will co-produce. Um, well, that's a good sign. The untitled Fox Marvel project is co-produced as a co-production of a 20th Century Fox television and Marvel production. Matt Nix, Fox's upcoming APB burn notice, will write the pilot script and serve as an executive producer. Lauren Schuller Donner, X-Men Apocalypse, X-Men Days of Future Past, The Wolverine. Brian Singer, X-Men Apocalypse. Well, we all know who Brian Singer is. Jeff Loeb and Jim Chory uh, from Marvel's Daredevil and Jessica Jones will serve as executive producer. So it does have a hell of a pedigree. Yes, it does. And here's what I'm going to go ahead and predict on this mediocrity that we're going to get. Well, hold on. Let me, let's, let's see this. <laughs> um, I'll compose my thoughts. Uh, the Untitled Fox Marvel Project will focus on two ordinary parents who discover their child possesses mutant powers. Forced to go on the run from a hostile government, the family joins up with an underground network of mutants and must fight to survive. There's your synopsis. Here's what we're going to get. Some mutant we don't give a fuck about, assisted by other mutants we don't give a fuck about. And about every four or five episodes, they'll dangle a mutant we give a fuck about in front of us for about five seconds, and then it's going to be back to the adventures of mutants we don't give a fuck about. Yep. It's going to be a bunch of original characters for the fucking show, which I'm fine with a few, but if you're going to make a show and you're going to throw the word X-Men out there, X-Men based, Cyclops, at the very least, even if it's not fucking Wolverine, give me fucking Storm or Jean Grey or Cyclops or something, Rogue, I mean, you know, Psylocke. Well, there you go, give me those four female fucking X-Men. If this has nothing to On do with, with, with well, <laughs> if this has nothing to do with the movie, then go ahead and give me everybody. Yeah, give me everybody. Let's just fucking do it. Do it like the, uh, you know, the uh, CW to doing is doing with their uh, TV series. They have everybody. They have Superman and all their fucking characters. Keep, yeah, keep the universe separate. Keep the universe separate. There you go. Hallo fucking Louie. And yeah, you know, The Walking Dead's popular. Stupid Marvel zombies. Fuck it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, a bunch of people trying to survive, and all the X Men are the bad guys trying to eat your freaking liver. But um, I don't understand what has taken 
these companies so long to, to understand you supergirl is bringing in superman that's saying a lot of things they are finally seeing the writing on the wall i don't know why we didn't see superman for 10 plus years on or for 10 years on smallville which it actually did work the way they focused on clark i get it yeah it was it was a good end you know i understand but you know they're they're avoiding all the heavy hitters and they need to stop the bullshit well i can see give us the heavy hitters well i can see this kind of working the way it is if you're viewing this from our eyes you're on the outside looking in. Yeah. And this is like a hostile government treating us like. Oh, the basic premise I'm in love with. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you fuck know, the government, but yeah, it's the fucking government. Yeah. New world order type bullshit. Yeah. I mean, you know, the problem is, is it, what makes this stuff interesting to people like me and you is, is, maybe government can serve some sort of legitimate form, but people always have to fuck it up yeah. and start just too much control, too much violence, too much everything else. And I think it's I, that part of the premise I do like, but that is a core part of the X-Men mythos is yeah. a government out that, that fears them and hates them, a public that fears and hates them. You know, yeah. I like that, but yeah. I want it to be with mutants. I give a fuck about, yeah, but you've got 50 years of fucking history. Let's use it. I don't think Fox is going to give them a million dollars per episode to make this shit. So you got to keep your main characters off of this and keep it kind of like shield on one of their budgets. They're not going to give Hulk and Iron Man on the show. Well, even if it was once in a while, but I mean, there are other X-Men that have not been in the movies that they could use. But there's so many freaking characters lined up for movie appearances. I mean, that has to affect it. But you're still getting second-rate shit. I don't care about how you fucking slice it. Yeah, but you're getting the second-rate characters. You versus are what you could be getting. But the t- movies, the, the movies are so convoluted and so fucked up. It's like Deadpool s- says. Does it really matter? Yeah, exactly. I, I'm so confused on the timeline. I can't. I can't keep track. They made a movie to fix the timeline, and I'm pretty sure they fucked the timeline up again. So, yeah. So yeah. I I would keep them. I would just Earth six brand six, new timeline six, with this. or something. Yeah, just be done. Just say it's separate. Have your X Men on there. Yeah. Um, and have who's the, Colossus would be a good one. He's recently recognizable because of Deadpool. Um, you know, he's a popular character in the comics. You could you always have Deadpool show up for this. Yeah, you had ultimate version of him if you wanted to have your socially represented character. Um, you don't think a, that Ryan Reynolds would fucking jump at this fucking show up just for the hell of it? Yeah, he would. It, it fits the character that Deadpool yeah. is. Um, yeah, but I think Colossus would be a good lead in with that. He's recently been in a fucking huge hit of a movie, and he's been a cameo in a series. He probably should have been one of the main characters. Yeah. So, um, I would I would go this route, go our route. Get some real fucking Sentinels too. Yeah, real. Well, we still haven't seen a good Sentinel. The Sentinels in the Days of Future Past were okay, but they were not what we need. 
We, you know, we want the we want Fox Sentinels. cartoon Sentinels, original comic style Sentinels, big giant fucking robot Sentinels, big Let's orange, see this shit. big purple, purple and Sentinels. purple and slightly less purple fucking Sentinels. Let's yeah. do this. Um, Jubilee, you know, that's another one. You know, you you you're hitting, all, you're covering bases there. You got your female character, you got your Teen Angst. Teen You know, there's one of your female leads. Um, who else? White Queen. You know, there you go. That's a good one. So, I mean, there are other characters that haven't had a huge presence in the movies mm-hmm. that they could use. Um, Iceman. He's been in the movies. Has he been a huge presence? Oh, yeah. yeah. He wasn't Days of Future Past, wasn't he? I gotta watch that movie again. He was a big deal in Days of Future Past. Yeah, he was like leader in the future apocalypse part. Still, he hasn't been enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you have, you have never done anything good with Storm. No. Let's take another shot in the dark with Storm. Yeah, I mean, the late fucking leader, and you gave her Halle Berry. Yeah, and the one in fucking Apocalypse was just uh... I'm not saying that she yet, so I don't know what what they did with it, her. It's it's the writer again. They're not. They don't know what the fuck to do with her. Here's an idea: put her in fucking charge, just like Cyclops. They don't know what the fuck to do with Cyclops. They don't have a fucking clue what to do with the leader characters in any of the fucking X Men movies because they're hung up on Wolverine. Yeah. So. And I know he wasn't in Apocalypse, but they're still fucking hung up on Wolverine because you know we had to sidestep fucking ten minutes of the movie just so he could be in there and growl. <laughs> it's next Sadly, I have to admit it was the best scene of the movie, but that's not the point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the rest of it was people standing around looking at cities. But how was um, Poe Dameron in that movie? Uh, surprisingly good, but I think they kind of missed the point with Apocalypse. I get that, yeah, he was another end-of-the-world plot, but he didn't at any point seem like the threat he was on the cartoon series. It's another case of the cartoon series, inspired by the comic, completely blew a movie out of the water with its villain. Um, he was good. The acting was solid. Uh, it was just... It was a lot of standing around looking at movies, or looking at cities and talking. So it's like I, Jurassic Park. You just stand up and look at the CGI. Yeah, basically, basically. Like um, Poe Dameron has a line in Force Awakens where he's like, is this part where we talk? And I don't know if it's true or not, but that's supposed to, supposedly that's a slam that the Phantom Menace was just too much political talk and mumbo-jumbo bullshit, hmm. which makes it a little ironic that he's in Days of Future, or I'm sorry, he's in X-Men Apocalypse, and it's, it's we're going to stand around and talk a whole bunch. Hmm. It's like, let's just fucking, let's just lay the law down and do it. But, you know, it's an okay movie. I might need... I, it's one of those ones I feel like I need to watch again. But if I have to... If I if I feel I have to watch a movie again, it's either too smart or not good enough for me. And I'm leaning towards not good enough. Alright, well... The, um... Not really a spoiler. Everybody knows that Wally West is Kid Flash. And he, the CW has released promo pictures of Wally West in his costume. What do you think, Scott? Well, um, I'm thinking it's still loading. 
Oh, Matt, it's loading. 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 Your fucking mm. internet, Scott, I swear. It's not my internet, it's my laptop today. Your fucking laptop, Scott. There, there it is. is. Scott. There it is. There you go. Well, I think. Does he look like Kid Flash? I think it, I like it. I like it. Now they need to tighten up the costume because it looks a little loose in some areas. But and when he turns sideways, when he's standing straight up, it looks good. Yeah. When he twists it sideways, they could. I mean, they Photoshop everything. Just Photoshop that shit out. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's all right. Yeah, they need to tighten it up. But other than that, yeah, it's pretty good. Minus the black guy. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> That's me. That was satire. No, I like it. I think it looks pretty good. Yeah. The costume looks good, and um, who's the guy playing him? What's his name? Can he act? Wally West. That's the guy playing. <laughs> um, hell, I don't know the guy's name. Kid watched- Flash. It's a handsome feller. Let's see here. Uh. I watch this show every fucking week. This, this article doesn't have the actress fucking name in it. Uh, it's not Justin Grant. Holy shit! Holy cow! It doesn't have the name of the fucking actor in it. Well, that's fucking stupid. Anyways, it looks good, guys. Um, I'm 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 good for it. I don't know what the... I'm confused. Cayenne Lonsdale. All right, then. There we go. That's what we were looking for. He looks good. Holy shit. Sorry, buddy. No. <laughs> Latino Review doesn't give a fuck about you. Nope. Well, costume looks pretty good. Um, Tighten it up. Tighten it up a little bit. and uh, He's not as muscular as people think so no no he's a slim fella yeah speaking of slim tomb raider movie gets a reboot and it will be released on march 16th 2018 it will be starring alicia oh boy vikander she was in ex machina and a danish girl if you saw She's pretty. If you saw Ex Machina, uh, it was that not, was a joke too not, because yeah, she's was, not actually shown in the article. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the picture of the CGI. That's what I was making the comment. I was like, "It's about a fucking actress or an actor." I'm sorry, named Alicia Vikander, 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 whatever. Anyway, uh, she did good in the movie. She was show a picture of her. Yeah, yeah, it's fucking Laura Croft. Um, I click on her name. They do link her to a in another story. Yes, she wasn't allowed to play Tomb Raider apparently. Yeah, so uh, she's not a gamer, so obviously she shouldn't be in this movie. Um, she said she snuck and played it. She doesn't look anything like Laura, but um, her body is definitely not Laura Croft's. 
Uh, whether or not she can. You evil sexist. You body, you body shaming bastard. Well, hey, she's got a great ass. You cisgender, hetero, patriarchal, evil person. Definitely does not resemble Lara Croft from the reboot. No, she doesn't. She doesn't really resemble her from anything other than she's female. Especially the original game when she had triangle boobs. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know if she can act. I didn't watch the Danish girl. So I don't know if she can actually emote the same. I haven't seen Ex Machina. That's the problem. I don't know if she can actually be Laura. Maybe she she did a hell of a a good reading, but I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, we've learned in the past few years that Hollywood doesn't really care who the hell they cast half the time. Well, we were also wrong about a couple of people. I don't believe that. I mean, really? Fucking Johnny Storm's going to play Captain America? What the fuck? Brandon Ralph. Not like he was... Thor? Thor. I was wrong about Thor. I was wrong about Johnny Storm. Um... I haven't seen the new Fantastic Four to comment on any of those those four. What about uh, Wonder Woman? She was fine. It wasn't anything she did that was wrong. It was the writing again. Yes. Well, I guess... I'm going to look like I'm having an orgasm when he punches my shield. Yeah, I guess we, Fuck off. We'll, we'll find out about the writing in the new Wonder Woman film because Jeff Johns co-wrote the new Wonder Woman movie. Yeah, that's just. Yeah. The problem is the I just story bitch about Zack Snyder some more, and it's pointless at this point. It's ass and I to continue to bitch about that idiot. The problem is the story was also done by Zack Snyder and Alan Heinberg. Yeah, don't even care to look that guy up because he's got Jack's or Zack Snyder beside him. You guys are call him Jack Snyder because he's a fucking jack off. Yeah, Zach Zach Snyder is the neck beard that like all these SJWs make fun of, except he actually has a job making movies. Yeah, he is the epitome of all that. Here is the official plot for the film. Uh, yes, I'm a hater. Sorry. Before she was Wonder Woman, she was Diana, Prince of the Amazons, trained to be an unconquerable warrior, raised on a sheltered island paradise. When an American pilot crashes on the shores and tells of a massive conflict raging in the outside world, Diana leaves her home, convinced she can stop the threat. Fighting alongside man in a war to end all wars, Diana will discover her full powers and her true destiny. Until Zack Snyder fucks it up and makes John and Martha Kent total fucking douchebags. All right, all right. Here's what here's what you're gonna do, gal. You're gonna you're gonna he's gonna he's gonna hit you with his, his superpower, and you're gonna look at the camera and you're gonna look like you're having an orgasm, and she's gonna be like, "You're fucking kidding me again." <laughs> that's that's what's gonna happen on that set, guys. Yeah. Maybe he'll get Michael Bay to give him some pointers. Yeah. It's the director is Patty Jenkins, but is um fucking Zach a co-producer or something on this film? He's the first director of orgasm faces. That's his unit. And you need to hear first, guys. Of, of green screen. 
or it's going to be done wrong. Yeah, I can. Everything has to look like three hundred. Three hundred is the way to go. Yeah, that was a good movie though. <laughs> it was. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Zach. Fuck you, Zach Snyder. You gave me hope. <laughs> God damn it! That bastard. Watchmen was mostly a good movie. So was this fucking Dawn of the Dead. That was fucking good. Too. That that's his best fucking movie. God damn it! I God damn! I like Zack Snyder, man. He's such a good fucking director. I just haven't liked his last few movies because it's fanboy fucking neckbeard wank. I just wish he wouldn't fucking touch the damn script. Yeah, that's his problem. Just direct what's on the fucking script, you dumb fuck. He can make a comic book look so fucking beautiful on screen. Just don't fucking touch the script. And that was such a fucking swing we just did. <laughs> it's like a bad marriage. It's like a bad piece of ass. I hate oh. that motherfucker. But. <laughs> oh, I hate that fucking bitch. She's the worst fucking woman ever. I fucking love her to death. But God, I fucking hate that woman. Well, maybe maybe he'll have this. He'll have the upswing now. Maybe he's been on the downswing. Maybe he's on his roller coaster ride. Thanks for not doing it on fucking BVS, but whatever. I mean, I like. It's like um, at least Ben was honest. It was like, so why are you the executive producer now on Justice League? So Zach won't fuck it up because I'm doing Batman. <laughs> I mean, that's not what he said, but that's what he meant. Yeah, he's probably sat back and watched the three good movies we just named and been like, how the fuck did we get where we're at? <laughs> you know? What he really said it was, well, because Justice League is tying into Batman, so I have to make sure everything interconnects. But what he really meant was, so Zach doesn't f- fuck it up. I'm... I. Listen, WB, Batman, we know they have not been enough. smart enough to say, do what Ben Affleck says. The guy has been gold for a while. Like, Batman is more important than Justice League, and Ben is not going to fuck, fuck, fuck anything up. That's it. The guy I'm who fucks it up is Zach. I'm convinced, Paul. We are in the fucking Twilight Zone. <laughs> we are sitting here bitching that WB has not turned the reins over to fucking Ben Affleck on everything. <laughs> <laughs> who would have thought? Five, six, seven years ago, we'd be sitting here having this conversation. And Ben, we trust. You know? What the fuck? The guy who was starring in fucking Kevin Smith films is is now (laughs) fucking... Giggly. Jiggly, however the fuck you pronounce it. Uh, Paycheck. Giggly? Uh, Some of all fears. I mean, he had such a fucking laundry list of shit. Phantoms was awesome. Okay, I don't give a fuck what anybody says. That's not even an internet Phantoms joke. Phantoms was like, the bomb, yo. I fucking yeah. love Phantoms. But, um, you know, the guy can write. And write. he's a good director. So yeah, he was. Um, and he can play Batman. I'm, I didn't say he could play anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> I said but he can play Batman. He did good in Argo. He was really good in Argo. Argo was fucking awesome. That was a fucking amazing movie. It was one of the best movies I've seen in the last 10 fucking years. So thank you, Ben Affleck. Yeah. I just going to pretend I, I don't want to even, I just, I hope I never find out what his politics are. I think he's conservative, but you shouldn't let art fuck up your, 
beliefs in anything else. So. It doesn't. Not me. It's like Mark Hamill. Me mm-hmm. and him, we had to go to war on Twitter. Yep. <laughs> Spider-Man <sighs> Homecoming. It hurt. Someone had a a huge orgasm when they were talking to IGN. That man's name is Tom Rothman. He is the... What is his... Uh, he had a huge orgasm on camera. Was Zach filming that one? Um, what's the guy's name? Tom Rothman. Yeah, but what's, okay. what is his uh, official title? Chairman of... Someone in charge of making money off of Marvel and Sony movies. That's his title. He's going to make some fucking money. And that's why he's fucking excited because... He's, Tom Rothman is the chairman of Sony... Pictures, Entertainment, Motion Picture Corp. Yeah, he knows they're probably not going to lose their ass this time. <laughs> He's excited. So, but yeah, he uh, he did a. I don't know what. I think he was at a Ghostbusters premiere or whatever. But she knew they were make fucking money on that. But they were talking about. I got a bad feeling it's going to make money. And I think it's going to happen. He did a very honest interview. He was very honest. Because yes, he was. They were going. It's one of the most honest fucking Sony interviews I've seen. <laughs> and he was like, "Hey, Marvel knows their shit. We're going to make fucking money." And he said, "Quote: These guys at Marvel, I think the technical term is they really know their shit. Yeah, unlike Sony, they don't know fucking shit." And he basically said that, "Yep, Spider-Man. There's a homecoming scene." Um, that's kind of a not really a spoiler because everybody fucking knew it. Um, it's also because the fact that it's a homecoming where Spider Man is back into the Marvel universe, cinematic universe. That um, yes, it's it's important that um Tony Stark is. In Spider-Man, not just because of the fact that it makes sense financially that he's there, commercially, which, wow, he is being honest about that, but because of character-wise that he needs to be there to help guide Spider-Man. So, um, I mean, it was it's a short, what, three-minute interview? Yeah, it's just three minutes, 13 seconds. Yeah, but uh, it's on Latino Review, but it's definitely worth a watch. So, good on you, Tom Rothman. He's probably getting ready to go in there and watch that fucking Ghostbuster film. He's like, God, give me something good to talk about. He probably got high as shit on cocaine or something <laughs> while he was dancing around so he could go through this movie. Speaking of getting high, Flatliners. I guess it's actually going to happen. Sony is moving quickly on their remake of Flatliners, which is being directed by Niles Andre Oplev. Whoa, 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 whoa. The girl with the dragon tattoo. Uh, buddy Disgusting can confirm that it will be released on August 18th, 2017. Okay, I got a question here. Um, Flatliners. Yeah, Keith or something. Why am I looking at a, pic- at a picture? Of Kevin Bacon, Oliver Platt, Julia Roberts, and Kiefer Sutherland all on screen together. Because that was the original film. 
It's what I'm saying. How did I not? I don't know what the fuck this movie is. It was is this like a cult classic, or yes, it was from the 1990s. I've never heard of this movie. Oh, that's not Kiefer Sutherland up there. But anyway, he's the other three. Kiefer oh, he's all, yeah. He's the he's the body. He's the body. Yeah. Kiefer Sutherland, who played Nelson in the 1990s sci-fi thriller the same name, has committed to joining the remake. That also stars Ellen Page, Diego Luna, Nina, Dove, James Norton, and somebody, Kirsty Clemens. Um, Scott, in case you don't know this, the original film follows a group of medical students who purposely die and bring each other back to life so they can study near-death experiences. Surprised you haven't seen this, Scott. I have not seen this movie. I wonder if it's on Netflix. I don't think so. Ooh, I got a piece of news. So that goes up my alley, not so much yours. But um, no, I haven't seen this. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to look into it because I love movies like that. From what I can remember, it was. I like Ellen Page. It was. I guess I would say this was a rental. Oh, real quick on that note, going back to the games, I finished um, Planet Robot, Kirby, Planet Robot. Definitely a rental, not a buy. If you're going to buy a Kirby game for 3DS, go back to Kirby Triple Deluxe. Rough. Okay, Scott, go back. Okay, so two things here. Bloody Disgusting's review of... Um, Ghostbusters. I oh. just caught the title of it. More culturally important than well made. Oh yeah, I read that. Yeah. Yeah. So what'd you get the gist on that one there? Uh, let's see. Well, they gave it two and a half stars. Hmm. I think a woman wrote that review. I see that. Yeah, she did. Interesting. Um, just an interesting title because I, I really think that there was a lot of hate against the movie because of that. Not a lot. Let me rephrase that. I think there was some hate and it was wildly blown out of proportion. But again, my earlier point stands that it's probably going to get a free pass from a lot of people. Apparently not from her. Um, but I'll be able to give us a review next week because my son has watched Real Ghostbusters and the other two movies and play them some of the old 80s toys all week long. So I guess I'm going to have to go see it. Uh, Sigourney Weaver says Neil Blomkamp's Alien gives Ripley an ending um, from Bloody Disgusting. So that's interesting. So we're going to get a conclusion in Alien 5 that we already had, even (laughs) if it wasn't. You know, Alien 3... It's a, it, especially if you watch the assembly cut. Is 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 that actually a, It's a good flick if you watch the assembly cut. It's an okay flick if you watch. It's a, it's a good seven. I'll say that if you watch the assembly cut. It's a six if you don't. But as far as ending a story, it tied it up pretty neatly, minus the huge plot hole at the beginning with the eggs just randomly being all over the ship. Is this movie really necessary? Am I going to go watch it? Yeah, I'm a fanboy, straight up. But I, I she's going to get an ending. She's already had the best ending she could have. As she sacrificed herself to stop the freaking alien threat. But I digress. It is going forward. There was another story earlier in the week um, where Ripley spoke about, or I'm sorry, Sigourney Weaver spoke about it a little bit. And sh- it is happening. It is They are moving forward, according to Sigourney Weaver. So, can't wait. 
Uh, from what? What's, what's her name? Kayleen, K-A-L-Y-N, Kayla, Corrigan, what she is saying here. Uh, with a script that feels just as lazy and inept as the girl's eye candy male secretary, in addition to overly awful CGI ghosts and in-your-face wink-wink-nudge-nudge actor cameos from an original film, the cold hard fact is that Ghostbusters is an overall and pretty bad movie. Most of the blame for the random sporadic storytelling can be placed on the script supervisor's shoulders, but as it tends to be a pattern for a fake to present films that are meant to feel significant but wind up feeling incomplete, it's only fair that he takes credit for the shortcomings for his latest endeavor as well. Hmm. I mean, you know, the trailers just do not look good. But I am going to go watch Ghostbusters with a... I may like it. I don't fucking know. But I have to watch it to know. I just know that I'm probably not going to based on the trailer. But I thought I was going to like Wolverine Origins based on the trailer because it had a pretty good trailer. So you can't trust trailers, guys. But there's enough substance in the trailers to show the type of humor they're going to sell throughout this whole film. And I just am not a huge fan of that stuff typically. So we'll see. Probably tomorrow night. Today we got our first look at Bill Skarsgård. As Pennywise the Clown. That's a picture of Tim Roth. Oh, I didn't scroll down. My bad. <laughs> the um, article that, has that the Tim, Ro- Tim Curry, not Tim Roth. Or Tim Curry. I'm sorry. Tim Curry. My mistake. Um, what do you think, Scott? Um, to make up a little bit, but um, I don't think the crow eyes really work but i don't and here's why okay just hear me out before you go god the cynical fuck um the crow movies have left such a bad taste in my mouth (laughs) that anytime i see that those stripes going up and down someone's face it instantly puts me in this like defensive mode um it doesn't look bad i hope he actually gets the fucking rubber nose on though instead of the painted nose it looks like a scary fucking clown to me. So whatever. <sighs> Bill Scar. As long as you know, I'm going to say it again. Um, if there's a good script and good <laughs> cinematography and a good fucking uh, acting, then I don't really give a fuck. Now we're starting to turn into ugly couch show. <laughs> if it's done well. Yeah, I hate uh, to say the word done well, but I mean, guys, that's, that's, that's what it takes. Bill Skarsgård, age 25. It looks kind of got the Tim Curry look to him a little bit. It's like, a, wait a minute. What I know him from? Hemlock Grove. Yes, that guy can play a creepy fuck. So I think, I think, uh, I think the bad guy is going to be good. Let me say that. I know the bad guy is going to be. He's, he's, rec- he's related to Alexander Skarsgård. Well, that bastard. You didn't get in the business because you're good. It's because your brother's Alexander Skarsgård. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Yeah, the guy from Hillock Grove, he plays the creepy-ass vampire. I don't remember what the name of the character was. Uh, Roman. Roman Godfrey. 
Um, he was pretty good in that series. So let's see if he can add a little more uh, menace to his character. But she had a few scenes here and there in that series where he had to be menacing, and he was pretty good. Let's keep so. in mind that it was a Evie. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. Good Lord. Well, it was on ABC. So you were kind of. You couldn't do too much. So. Yeah, they didn't have the 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 uh, orgy, the pedophile orgy on there. <laughs> but so hopefully the new film doesn't go too far with that. But but now that maybe since he's on um, it's theatrical, he can be a little bit scarier. Yeah, a little bit more creepier. I'm hitting the comments down here, and someone just made a pretty good point. Um, I don't know who Frank Sermarco is, but he says part of what worked about Tim Curry's Pennywise was that white, while creepy looking, he wasn't overtly scary until the yellow eyes and fangs made an appearance. This version of Pennywise looks to be going for straight scary slash menacing. I hope Skarsgård can bring some nuance to the character. This isn't a slasher film, and that is a good motherfucking point. Yeah. But maybe this isn't the version we're going to see throughout the whole film. So, yeah, yeah. Well, I guess we'll know. At this point, it is kind of a, it's, it's, it made a statement in people's lives. It made a mark on people. So I'm going to just chalk it up to another unimaginative poster and hope that that's all it is. It's really not a good poster. Maybe they just want to get out there and say, look how fucking scary this guy is. Yeah, maybe that's all it is. So. September 8th, 2017. That's a long time. Yeah, you got... If you have not seen the original It, um, chase it down somehow. It's pretty good. Honestly, the parts with the adult versions of the kids are... They definitely falter compared to the the children. It's one of those movies where the child actors just fucking smoke the adults. Yeah, I was having that conversation with someone today. We, We... came to the same conclusion that the kids parts when they were kids was better than when they were adults. Yeah. I was like, I'm not sure that now, 20 years later, 16 and 20 years later, whenever the movie came out, if I would still feel that same way if I watched it today, but it felt like back then it was better. I thought, well, I, maybe because I was a child watching it, I felt different. It was scarier, but I watched, I watched it, uh, about three months ago. introduced my son to it at the tender age of eight. And while I say they smoke the adults, overall the acting is average. I mean, John Ritter and um, shit, the guy from Night Court, what was his name? The guy from Night Court. They they, they pretty much knock it out. No, 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 no. Uh, Harry. Who who the fuck was Harry? The, the, The main guy on... Night Court. God, I haven't thought about that show in a long time other than when I watched that there. Uh, anyways, played by Harry Anderson. Okay, Harry Anderson yeah. and John Ritter pretty much knock it out of the park. Um, the uh, it, it They're good. Um, and I'm not going to say that any of the adult actors are bad. Uh, the kids, you can see some of them, that they're struggling a little bit here and there. But I think just the writing and Ooh, everything. Post, I remember her. Yeah. The, the writing and everything was just so strong for the child part of it. 
so much more strong. Like it was just like your typical adults in a horror situation type film, but it was something I don't know. Something was just really Annette Tool was good in it. Can't forget yeah. her. She was she was pretty good. And I guess Tim Curry, he's in both sections. He's just fucking amazing in this role. The adults were just suffering from PST, PTSD. I mean, yeah, that, that, they, they were just, oh my God, we were so scared. And and the kids were actually still, they were actually going through it. Yeah, it's it's not that, it's not so much, I have to retract my statement a little bit about the level of acting. The level of acting is acceptable on the children's part. And, may, and the adults are a little bit better. But the menace in everything is so much more um, palpable yeah. when they're children. You know, when they're adults, you, you keep waiting for them to pull out a fucking machine gun and just take care of business. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's just it's just, but, just the way it's told. The adults are just sitting there meeting each other, and then they just sit there lot, and they have a fucking flashback. That's that's it. There's a lot of scenes of them just standing around looking sad, and yeah. they have a few scenes where they kind of. You know, so the adult scenes suffer, no doubt. And as you're talking, what, probably three hours? Was it like two 90-minute specials? It was like four hours. It was, it was a two-hour, two-night event. Let me just look it up. It, it, it happened over two nights. And at least, two hours. but if you like horror movies, this is a good one. Check it out. You know, 187 minutes, so three hours and seven minutes. Yeah, because um, you had commercials. And commercials. Shit. So, yeah, it was, a, it was four hours by the time you did all that. Yeah. Because uh, the stand was like three fucking nights or some bullshit. The ending left a little to be desired, <laughs> but it's still it's a good movie. It's a it's a good movie. I still liked it quite a bit. It it hasn't. It's not one of those movies where I want to say it hasn't aged well, but it has aged. So it has. It's it's it it shows a little bit, but it is still a really good movie. And the mm-hmm. scenes in the fucking sewers are just they're the best parts of the movie. And we still don't know so creepy. how they're doing the new one. We, we know don't they have any filmed idea. it two ways. It, it was they filmed that you can make a a movie with they were kids and as adults. Seth Green so was in make, fucking it. Do what? Seth Green was in it. He was one of the, I think he was Richie, wasn't he? Yeah, I didn't. I never made the connection. Yeah, beat beat what the Richie. Fuck? So he he was already fully grown, because <laughs> he's like one of the taller kids in the group. <laughs> the, the, Stan, the Jewish kid, is like the tallest one, I think. And then you had him. Wow, that's so funny. He was like the tall kid. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they filmed in two parts. They they filmed the script was written, so you're gonna make really two movies as they were kids, and then when they were adults. And it just depends on how they edit it. They can either edit as one movie, like when we first saw it as kids, or they can release them as two parts. They don't know what they're going to do yet. Maybe they'll have like a director's cut, I guess, and they'll release it that way. So you get both split or they're combined. They don't know yet. They got a while before it comes out yet. But Scott, let me ask you a question. Do you like Big Trouble in Little China? Absolutely. Do you like Wait. Escape from New York? Uh yeah. Why why am I suddenly starting to get nervous? What would happen if No. You took both of those and put them together? 
wait, what? <laughs> you have four hours of fucking awesome TV. I'm <laughs> not falling for your fucking bullshit. I'm just going to say we're watching them back to back. Why? Well, Boom Studios has decided uh, to like a sweet-ass comic book. Okay, now I'm on board. Yes. Because I was getting scared. We were getting some sort of rebate, re- reboot, remake bullshit. No, no, no. And uh, celebration of the 30th Uh-oh. anniversary of Big Trouble in Little China. My they God. are doing it's a beautiful. crossover for Big Trouble in Little China and Escape from New York. Um, Let's do this. Made with the blessing of filmmaker John Carpenter. If you have not seen either of these movies, you need to go out and fucking watch these two movies. They are both fucking awesome. They are two of the fucking best movies to come out of the fucking golden era of TBS. <laughs> there are, it's going to be six issues long. And on that note, I will stay the fuck away from Escape from L.A. It's fine, but do not expect Escape from New York. Yeah, watch Escape from L.A. first. Just don't watch don't watch Escape from New York first and then watch Escape from LA. Um do not. Uh yeah, it's okay. But yeah, the 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 other two movies, like I'm I'm we make the jokes on here about the TBS lineup. Yeah. But seriously, the TBS lineup had a lot of really good movies. And two of the best ones that were on there, uh, and these had theatrical releases, you know, big VHS hits, whatever. You've got to watch these two movies. Uh Escape from New York, 1981, Big Trouble in Little China, 1986. If there's anybody that just happens to be younger and hasn't seen these, go watch them, even though I'm pretty sure our demographic is going to be our age or older. Um, Check them out. These will be written by Greg Pack. I think he wrote the Superman Batman that was out. Learn the power of a ball bat with a nail in it. A while ago. (laughs) It was illustrated by Daniel Bayless. Uh, the title will find Big Mouth Truck Driver, truck driver Jack Burton uh, transported to the dystopian future of 1997 where he meets his buddy, his doppelganger, Snake Plissken. Um, I'm probably going to order this series. <laughs> um I'll probably pay for it because I like to see this one more shit like this. They, yeah, this is yeah. They need to be doing stuff like this. Um, I was about to make. Oh yeah, if you're like a you know you like the, like Mortal Kombat, you can see where like Raiden was inspired by. Everything Raiden, fucking Mortal Raiden's Kombat. basically a bad guy in this fucking movie. Yeah, yeah. It, it can all be traced back to about two movies. <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah. three. Enter the Dragon, and Big Trouble in Little China, and Bloodsport. In Blessport. There's Mortal Kombat. In a nutshell. Shang Tsung comes. I mean. Yeah, Sanction comes from here. Yeah. Big Trouble in Little China. I mean, he's the, the original version. It's pretty close. Oh, um, fucking dragon shit. Raiden. Definitely. Yeah. The huge chunks of the aesthetic look like they ripped straight out of this movie. So. Um, yeah, that's that's awesome. Yep. I'm glad you saw that. We got to make sure we stay on top of this. Yeah. What's the release date? It will be out in November, I believe. Oh. October. November. Damn it. Okay. I think. When is it? Yeah. October. Yeah, 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 November. 
Okay, then November. In October. I'm just going. The thirtieth anniversary is November, but it comes out in October. Okay, now now I'm tracking. Your uh, where you clicked on there, I saw you, I see your blue marker. Ah, and I was like, okay. there's a book coming out called um, "The Art of Big Trouble in Little China." That would be a good book because that, that movie had a lot of really good art design. I mean, it was like it's like they got the guys who did like Gremlins or something to come over and just I don't know. It just had that gritty, real feel to shit that shouldn't look gritty and real. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was. It's good. You got that. That I like to. I got to see what this book looks like. It's on There's Amazon. also the art of Atari coming out too. Yeah, I saw that. That looks pretty cool. Two pages. You know, '80s video game covers were so good. Yeah. I mean, it didn't. It. Did, I mean, yeah, there was some atrocious shit in there, but for the most part, I mean, there was something. People had nothing to do with the game, but yeah, a lot of times, people today, um, including me, but people that are growing up now, because of the power of CGI, there's so much movie magic that's been lost because they don't have to come up with creative ways to come up with what they want to see on screen anymore. Um, and I think it's really affected art design, the aesthetics of the films, things like that, where they can just say, punch this in the computer. But you look at like the old video game boxes, some of the old movies, there's some really cool shit that was done. Um, the art of Atari cover I'm looking at right now with the, uh, missile, missile command. command. That is such a classic cover. Cause there's no fucking. You have no fucking. The guy and the woman on there have nothing to do with that fucking game. But well, regardless, we, we came up with the storyline for that now. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that was um. There's some cool shit. At least look up old video game box covers. There's some shitty, boring things. Don't get me wrong. But I mean, look at Contra. Yeah, or, that was a good one. The original Castlevania, um, Nintendo game. The box for it. That is fucking iconic. Well, we did, we know now that the, that the missile command actually does have something to do with that because there were two warring planets that were at war. With oh, you're other. right. Yeah, that, there was like a brief mention of that in something. So, and the centipede was like, we had to come up with some fuck storyline for that. It, it ended up being uh, Monsanto and some bullshit. Yeah, it was Monsanto did something. Yeah, we had a we had a hell of a fucking story, but um, that would be a sweet book. Yeah, I'll have to check that one out. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I wonder how many there was thousands of Atari games, right? There's there had to be. There had to be over a thousand. Um, but I mean, there's let's see, I got a couple. Just just a quick run through. Contra jumps out at me clearly because I'm an alien fanboy, but. I mean, they ripped off two pictures of Arnold Schwarzenegger, threw him on the front, made one look like a blonde Arnold and one look like Rambo. You more got, than 565 what? games for Atari 600. Is that it? I would yeah. have bet there was 1,000 or 2,000. That's all? Yeah. Well, they all came out like the same year, though. <laughs> um, that's so shocking. Anyways, like Castlevania... Uh, was awesome. Prince of Persia had a good box. Uh, let's see here. 
Ninja Gaiden had an awesome box. Getting into the nineties, Doom had an awesome Space box. Space Invaders had a good box. Space Invaders. Um Tempest had a pretty sweet. Star Raiders. Vanguard. It was literally almost all the Atari box art was good. Especially the sci-fi stuff. It was just it looked like concept art for like Hollywood movies. Um yeah, I mean there's some really shitty ones too, like the original Mega Man. Maybe the worst freaking piece of video game art ever. So just just Google retro game boxes, retro game art, something. Or Atari twenty six hundred games. Atari twenty six hundred would probably be your start. Regular Nintendo had some really good ones. Um the nineties stuff was pretty good too. It was definitely more comic booky in its art style, like Super Nintendo games. Well, on to the wrestling news. I'm looking at Castlevania, by the way. That's such a fucking kick-ass box art. Well, Scott didn't watch Final Deletion. We'll talk about that next week. Um, let's see. What can we talk about first? Well, I, I guess we'll go in order. Um... Huh. Did you know that Mario dies on the cover of the Mario Brothers box for the first game? Yeah. He's like falling into lava. That's I didn't notice that. Anyway, sorry. Before Roman got sent home to serve his 30 day suspension, he was forced to apologize to the entire locker room. Um apparently the move was received differently by some of those who witnessed it. Some thought it was necessary. To further embarrass, well, some felt it was unnecessary to further embarrass him. Some felt it was justified. Um, the decision I'm, of Reigns apologized purportedly came from Mark. I don't know how to pronounce this last dude's name. Carano, isn't Carano, it? yeah, Mark Carano, which suggested the order came from Triple H, not Vince. Um, while he serves his 30-day suspension, the only money he will be generating will be for merchandise sales and royalties. His suspension will end up costing him somewhere in the neighborhood of $100,000. I figured that would have been more had he missed a pay-per-view um, this is what happens when you are the world's champion, and you are pretty supposed, much, and you're supposed to be the, the guiding light, the big dog. You're not the bad guy. You're not a good guy. You're a healthy guy. What did he get busted with? Nobody knows yet. Okay, here's here's my take on it. Um, if it was steroids. I, yeah, he's the guy, but they have such a history of steroid abuse in the WWE. You really don't have much room to bitch. But fine, I'll I'll buy that one. If he's got a serious addiction problem, like if it's something else, trotting him out in front of them is not the best option to help that guy. Yes, it's his fault he initially took that shit, but you're not going to fix it by trotting him out and fucking making him apologize to everybody like that. The rules, according to the wellness policy, are that if 
you come to them and tell them I have a problem, you will not be suspended. Many companies have policies like that, even though they, you know, evil corporations, um, some places have laws like that where if you ask for help, they have to offer help. Yep. I don't know if that's a federal law, but I know some states have those type of laws. I don't think it's a federal law. Now, Shawn Michaels wasn't the world champion, I don't think, when he got fucked up. But remember when he got it was really fucked up? I mean, how many times has Shawn been so fucked up on drugs on TV? No, it happened. Yeah. And he didn't have to apologize the entire locker room. No. No, if he's, like I said, if he has a substance abuse problem, an addiction, but I mean, that's not the best way to deal with it. But if you have, but if you're running a billion dollar company and your world champion gets busted, hey, look, when um, Rob Van Dam got busted with pot, got arrested, they took the belt from him, but he didn't have to apologize to everybody in the locker room, did he? They just took the belt off of him. And he was never world champion again. I guarantee right. you they're going to get the belt back to fucking Roman, though. Right. No doubt about that. I'm just saying that I don't I don't have much to good to think about corporate WWE. Not only do I disagree with many of their creative decisions, I really don't like a lot of their behind the doors decisions that come to light. So. But yeah, Roman Reigns is, he's the champ nobody wants. He fucked up. And he fucked up. You were given the keys to the kingdom and you fucked up, pal. What was, didn't he have another little smaller incident? Because I'm pretty sure you gave him that keys to the kingdom speech one other time. I don't remember. Or could have been one of the other champions that fucked up. <laughs> uh, Steph is running Raw. And Shane is running SmackDown as COO. That was announced. And they will have general managers. So they get to boss around because they're fucking McMahons. Be same fucking storyline we always have. Nothing's new. Yeah, the boss. Ooh, so, so excited to see that. So, that starts next week. So. Oh. I don't have to worry about it. I won't see that angle. Yeah. Because I've already seen that angle 55 times. I've seen it since the 90s. Yep. Like, since 2000. Uh, it's pretty uh, cool the first couple times. Yeah. Uh, tonight, the... Uh, we're skipping ahead a little bit. Uh, tonight, we had the beginning of the Cruiserweight Classic. I guess I'll start watching that. Scott, you got something to watch later on. And the uh, Cruiserweight Classic ends. I forgot when it ends, but the live show will be August, I think, or end of July. And tonight, I believe, was also Nakamura versus Finn Balor. Not giving out any spoilers, but... If you look at the way everything has been booked, pretty sure Finn Balor will be on the main roster starting next week. So I say tonight is Finn Balor's last night in NXT. 
So I would say if you want to watch it, Finn Balor's last match in NXT tonight would be it. And it should be a good, pretty good match, Finn versus Nakamura. I would say watch NXT tonight. Or what would have aired last night if you're listening to this show on Thursday. Uh, okay. UFC 200. King Brock reigns supreme. What do you think, Scott? I'm a Mark Hunt fan, but when he loses, he loses. Brock came in looking uh, looks slim and trim. Of course, he's going to get down to 265. Um, Mark Hunt, again, he's not the greatest MMA fighter. But he is a very competent, very dangerous, very he's good. He is good. But he like he's got huge holes in his game and just so happens it's wrestling. <laughs> so yeah, he spent a lot of time eating Matt and eating punches. He blasted um Brock a couple times, but it wasn't on the chin really. Brock took it like a man because he's a big bad dude that's wrestled his whole life, so he can take a shot. Just because wrestling don't have punching, don't mean you don't get your head smacked around. Um, he won. I mean, it's just all there is to it. So you got to think of his career also. How much time has he really spent training MMA versus the fights he won? Plus, the entire time he was doing his initial run, he was fighting diverticulitis. And he had, you know, some inches of his colon removed, come back, fought. I mean, I would have loved to have seen late twenties Brock Lesnar or which again, I don't want anybody to be sick, but yeah, a, a healthy Brock Lesnar, you know, when he was initially in, you'd have a much more impressive career. I think I still think he benefited from being a huge dude that fought some, a couple of journeyman type guys or not journeyman, but a couple of people that were on the downside of their career. Damn, I just used the word journeyman when I was thinking about Randy Couture. But he, he was – that's not what I meant. He was fighting Randy Couture when Randy Couture was 50 fucking pounds lighter than him and had done start to lose a bunch of muscle mass because he was like 43. you know. But And then he lost to the young, good talent. So I was always like, you know, Brock's a badass, but how good was he really? And then he comes out of nowhere – in my opinion, with all this wrestling and stuff that he's been doing. And he beats Mark Hunt pretty handily. And Mark Hunt's a tough fucking dude. So I'm not saying it puts him in the shop for a title contention or anything, but I was, uh, no, I was, Brock, I was happy that eight now. I was happy that Brock, I was happy that Brock to me proved himself more last night than he had previously. That's my opinion. Uh, Brock is currently ranked number eight now in the heavyweight division. But he's 38 years old. He's 38 years old. Yeah. yeah. So hopefully he can – I mean, as long as he stays on top of his game and um, whatever supplements he's using, he's <laughs> probably got three or four good years left in him. Yeah. Of course, at – If UFC, he wants it. It was also announced that Brock will be working Randy Orton at SummerSlam. We can't talk about Brock without talking about what he said in an interview um, later. Uh, he After the match, he cut a promo. Brock does. He cut a baby Brock face wants. promo saying... Um, oh, yeah, there's that. 
Well, can't we all get along from one white boy to all the, the nations world? of the world or something like that? And he was referencing the Dallas shootings and the shootings in Minneapolis and Baton Rouge. So, and, and, yeah, uh, message of peace from Brock Lesnar. And then according to kfabenews.com, world peace broke out because everybody was scared to death of Brock Lesnar. Which I thought was pretty funny. I saw that too. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and he's right. You know, there's 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 issues with uh, certain elements of certain groups of people, whether they're wearing a badge or they're not. Um, we got to dry. We got to fix some of this stuff. Um, as a guy who does a lot of law enforcement training, one of the big issues I see is you have White a scenario. People. Yeah, there's that. Whatever. But anyways. There's scenario training that in the last 20 years has been a big issue with trying to make situations more realistic in training. And that, and on the physical side, that has worked very well. The problem being is when you get a scenario and you got a guy who's role-playing a bad guy, he always has a pistol. And in a lot of the scenario trainings we've went to and done and revised – We've said you can't always have your bad guy actually be a bad guy because that trains your officer to respond to a certain stimulus and he will always pull and shoot in the heat of the moment. Because if you practice something enough and it becomes reflexive or close to reflexive in a real life situation, that programming takes over. This this is listeners, this is my specialty, is is the training side, the scenario training. And I believe that officers are being trained to shoot all the time rather than to actually evaluate the threat to themselves and do ability, opportunity and jeopardy, which are the three decision-making elements for lethal force. And that's where you're getting these responses. Like the North Carolina shooting where the guy was told to get back in his car, to reach into his car and pull out his ID that was in the console. I will guarantee that officer that shot that man had been through scenarios where every time he did a traffic stop, somebody popped up with a gun somewhere, whereas they should have mixed it up. So, you know, you remember watching the old like Dirty Harry movies and they're shooting the cardboard pop-up things. And one time it's a woman, one time it's a terrorist. Do you know what I mean? That concept, yeah, that type of training isn't that good. But the concept of actually actually having to see the bad and the good both would probably reduce some of these shootings. And you're always going to have those assholes. So I, I the, think it's training has a lot to do with it. What did Brock, what was the other thing that Brock was talking about? Um... Brock does what the fuck Brock Lesnar wants to do when they asked him about whether he was going to continue to fight for UFC. He said he didn't know, but Brock does what Brock wants to fucking do or something like that. Oh, he was talking to the, that chick. He's like, what's next? And he said, I I was the only other interview I saw was when she said, what's next for Brock Brock Lesnar? He said, "Uh, Randy Orton, a SummerSlam. That was the only other interview I saw. Yeah, the, well, it was. I think it was in print later. Oh, I'm trying to remember where it was, but the gist of it was um, speculation about what he was going to do, any more fights, and I believe he said, "I don't know," or "I'm not sure what's up," but but I can, but one thing's always true or for sure or something. Brock Lesnar does what Brock wants to do. No. Yeah, well, that's the gist. Of it. That may not be for. That's a good paraphrase. I'll say that. Yeah, and then. Um... They were talking to uh, Daniel Cormier, and I guess he's a WWE mark. And 
he said uh, they asked him what would Booker Daniel Cormier do and he said well the hell with Randy Orton put the belt on Brock now cause well, uh, well I mean that's what he's saying he said yeah, that WWE should go ahead and put the belt on Brock now the hell with Randy Orton because what he just did now he's got all this heat on him He's got to go ahead and give him the belt now because it legitimizes him as as the fucking man. Got, I mean, there's a lot of stuff. He just had a, a a legitimate UFC fight that he beat a very good competitor, cleanly beat him, yeah. um, clearly beat him. Uh, he did the babyface thing afterwards. People won't forget that. Um, you know. He's already got heat in the WWE before that. He's just added to his legend at this point. That's what he's done. And, I mean, like you said one time about how it's better to use Brock sparingly. Yeah. You can still do that. You know, you don't have to use him 50 times a year or 100 times a year. But put the belt on him, have him smash the fuck out of a couple people. Give him a long reign or something. I don't know. Especially while he's doing the UFC, if he is going to continue to do the UFC thing and he continues to win, it's really just more bang for the buck for the WWE, too. Problem is, I mean, you got two belts now. You're going to have two belts. Yeah. And so you don't really need to have Brock around that often. You can't have Brock come in and job the Randy Orton. Randy Orton's coming back. You can't have Randy Orton job. Having him work Orton, you can't have a smosh. You got to have a winner in this fucking match. Have them both come in and have like a fucking DQ finish where a no contest, that's a bullshit finish. Hey, WrestleMania 8. No. <laughs> I mean, let's not do that. It, um, this is a bad idea. You know why couldn't they? I mean, you can, they gotta have a build up. I mean, so have Randy Orton and him meet up in this. There's no build up to it. Really. No, why? why? I mean, what the fuck? Why do you have Brock versus Randy anyway? I mean, Randy's about the, the biggest name you could have Brock fight, but isn't that like a no win situation? This Randy is- Orton's a big name that comes back. And he comes out and he's going to lose the Brock right off the. Jump Street, but you can't have Brock lose to him either because no. that's that's your angle. You're you've chosen to run with Brock and it's working. And again, he has just added to his legacy with the UFC fight. And maybe they thought, you know what, Brock's probably going to lose to Mark Hunt anyway because Mark. Maybe Hunt that's won. why they booked it that way. Yeah, and now they realize, oh shit, Brock won. We're fucked. Yeah. They pulled the trigger too early on announcing who Brock's going to work at SummerSlam. Or they could, you know, maybe they could, they won't, but they could play up the angle that Randy's just coming back and have Brock do just something just outrageous to win. You know, you remember um, Dana Bravo and the big bear hug on Hogan cracking his ribs and all that? You know, that was a pretty good angle. You could do something like that. It wouldn't have to be a bear hug, but, you know, fucking thousand suplexes through a thousand tables. You know what I mean? 
Well, like I'm thinking about maybe. the fucking stretcher or something. And was it too soon for Randy Orton to come back? Well, Rand, you know, I mean, that's yeah. a good angle. Brock's going to be there t- next Tuesday. So maybe yeah. Brock can beat the fuck out of Randy. Hurt him up. Break his ribs or some bullshit. And so Randy's not 100% at SummerSlam. So he can have that advantage over him. I don't know. Brock's got some dates left. Or you could even, I mean, I hate that. I can't believe I'm actually going to bring this up. Um, Sting and Triple H, you know. Sting did everything he could to win, and it took multiple interferences to put him down in that match. I'm not saying pull the NWO out and have them come out there and play their game, but, I mean, who would be, they don't have, when is SummerSlam? August? Like August 27th or something. Okay, so they they have time to build a little bit and give Randy Orton a posse and stuff, right? You know, they can have a few guys that's kind of leaning towards him. You know, have just shit, play up his babyface thing with the whole fucking... Um, it's like a Steve Austin thing almost. You know, he's the anti-hero. He's not out there kicking ass because he wants to be liked. He's out there kicking ass because he wants to kick ass. Everybody just likes that. Uh, do that with do that with Brock and and you know have it be this momentous occasion to even have him knocked off or something. I mean that's how you can make a lose work with with him right now, but or just have him do something extreme to to injure Randy Orton. This is a bad idea. No matter what, it's yeah. It's you're trying to you're trying to put a band aid on a, a fucking um, flesh wound. This is <laughs> this is gunshot. Yeah. <laughs> It's a gunshot. Oh my god, this is bad. Why did they do this? Why did you fucking do this? Yeah, there's no build up to it. Maybe they should. Maybe, here's here's how you fix this. Um, Big Van Vader shows up out of the fucking blue and moonsaults Brock. Well, no, <laughs> during during the draft, you put them on both opposing shows, and those oh shit, match is canceled. Sorry, <laughs> he's fixed. From fixed. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, they're in a bad situation, so there's no easy fix for it. All right, we'll do NWA next week because of we had some issues going on, but we will review NWA next week. But uh, we did go to the Guns N' Roses concert in Cincinnati last week, so Scott is going to give you his review on that. So, Scott, you saw some... History made as Steve came back and played for the band. So go for it. Floor is yours. Well, history was made because I appeared at the Cincinnati Paul Brown Stadium. Right? Oh, my bad. I'm not famous. Anyways, yeah. the. Um, well, there's like 72 people subscribed to this podcast, so you're famous to them. Yeah. The. Uh, I wish. The. Uh, it was my first concert. I'm 35 years old. That's. That's After pathetic. Yeah, I should have went to a concert a lot sooner. Um, would always talk about it and never go. Uh, or spend the money on it. And really, the only band I was really wanting to see was Guns N' Roses. They broke up when I was like 14. So, going and seeing a huge chunk of Guns N' Roses' legacy on stage was freaking awesome. Um it definitely played all the nostalgia heartstrings and it didn't hurt that Guns N' Roses rock music is fucking timeless. 
and smacks the shit out of most music released in the genre, period. Not all of it, but most of it. There's there's some great music from a lot of great bands, uh, but Guns is definitely top tier. And they are my favorite band. And Axel's voice was spot on. I mean, there was a couple times like the mic seemed like it wasn't picking up, but that was wasn't too often. Um, slash uh, how a man who doesn't sing but can stand there, kick back that kick-ass pose, and just his fingers play the guitar and just own a crowd is unreal. I'm of the belief that those two would have been good pro wrestlers <laughs> if, they, <laughs> if they could take a bump, um, which Axel's not averse to taking a bump. <laughs> Surely his theme song would have been Rocket Man, but uh, referencing the big riot. But uh, I mean, everything was really good about the show from top to bottom. Again, I don't have a frame of reference for concerts, but I, Paul has told me that the pyrotechnics were shit compared to a Kiss concert. I knew that much, but I was still impressed with the pyrotechnics because I haven't been to a Kiss concert yet, which we're rectifying in September. Um, there was a few songs that Axel just completely had the crowd in the palm of his hand. Um, Sweet Child of Mine is amazing. And the great thing about that was it was actually getting hard to hear Axel because the crowd was all singing in unison. It was, it was really neat. Um, the uh, Live and Let Die, they cranked the bass up on that one. And when the notes were hitting, I mean, it was just like, it was, it was like a war zone, but without all the danger, <laughs> without most of the danger anyways. Um the adrenaline started pumping and I was like, Oh my God, this is why people mosh. <laughs> I, I wanted to smash something. And uh, yeah, live, let die is, is a pretty good song. It's really good. But in concert, it was 10 times better than in on any CD. And that effect went through with all the music really. So minus Chinese democracy. <laughs> so not that they were bad songs, but I like, I, I don't care much for Chinese democracy. The song, I like Shackler's Revenge and um, This I Love, and that's about it off that CD. And they don't stand up really to the other stuff. Uh, the crowd was really into it. People clearly were drunk and high, and there was some boobs and uh, some pretty women, some not-so-pretty women, some pretty guys and some not-so-pretty guys. But, yeah, it was a great show. Um, apparently some guy talked shit to my wife like the whole time, but I couldn't hear it. And she didn't tell me because she's like, well, I don't want you to get in a fight, which I may or may not have. And I may or may not have got my ass kicked, but I probably would have went to jail and I didn't really want to go to jail anyway. So uh, if I had heard that, I would have stopped him, um, but I didn't hear it. So whatever. She she wisely held that off. Not like I'm a badass, but I'm not going to let someone talk shit to my wife for 30 straight minutes. That's what she said happened. So, but it was loud as fuck in there and. She never whispered a word about it until we were leaving. So all in all, uh, minus not getting in a fight and not getting high, I guess it was a pretty good concert experience. <laughs> Aren't those some like uh, hallmarks of going? Getting high, getting drunk, getting in a fight. So what'd you think, Paul? Eh. Eh. See, that's my first one, and it was my favorite band. The reviews for the concert were pretty good. Yeah. Um, 
everything after the what was the first show you did Coachella everything after that's been pretty stellar reviews um, when Steve Adler came out the crowd went freaking ape shit so that was pretty cool yeah I recommend going to the show yeah. I thought it was awesome yeah as far as the show itself goes the show itself was great but as far as the experience itself. Oh yeah, one of the worst nights of my life, and I'd rather not talk about the show ever again. But yeah, I forgot about that part. Yeah, me and Paul did not sit beside each other um, because Paul bought tickets, and uh, well, it was just a long hassle that we're not going to get into. Yeah, and <laughs> it ended up that me we didn't sit beside each other because we had to rectify a certain five foot two situation, <laughs> and uh, so she sat over there and. Some guy apparently said all the shit I didn't have the balls to. <laughs> <laughs> but she absolutely loved the show, too, because um, I turned her on the Guns N' Roses the minute we started dating. So, yeah. But me, me, and, me and her had a pretty good time otherwise because we didn't have to go through what Paul went through. <laughs> <laughs> I did get molested by a 70-year-old woman, though. I went and saw... Uh, um, a guy that I knew was up in the stands, talked to him for a minute, and I think someone slapped me on the ass, but I don't know. It was crowded. I had more than that done to me, but other than that, <laughs> eh, what, you know, out of one, two, three concerts, this is the, the one bad. So, eh, eh. 50-50 when you go to a concert. Oh, yeah. This is what me and my wife told ourselves before we even got up there. It's like we talked about it. I was like, you know, someone's probably going to run their mouth. Somebody's probably going to spill, spill beer on us, and people are probably going to be smoking weed. So just not that I – and I don't have a problem with that. I just don't want to get arrested for it, so that's why I don't mess with it. But the – every you know, we didn't get in a fight. So a guy talked some shit to my wife. He apologized to me when I turned around after he spilled beer on us. But I mean, I didn't turn around like ready to whip me by his ass or anything. I just turned around and just kind of was like, hey, don't worry about it. Because he, someone behind him shoved him and he had beer. He was drunk, but um, it was right before the show started. And I just happened to be turned at the angle. I saw out of the corner of my eye, saw him get hit in the back. And he, he fell forward and the beer went on our legs a little bit, but like, we just laughed at, we just smiled at him. He was like, I ah, don't worry about it, man. And then he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. He was so apologetic. But then when I turned around and he just started running his mouth, my wife, but I just never heard it. Cause that was when the music started. So. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't so much that the people were mean or rude to me. It was just, I think they just wanted to have a good time. Their idea of fun and not mine. Yeah. You know how I am. I thought it was funny that just they... don't fucking touch me. That's, yeah, that's exactly. Kind of I am. Yeah. The funny. If I don't know you, don't touch me. The funny part about the um, concert was if you were smoking weed, they would confiscate the joint. If you were smoking a cigarette, they would throw you out of the building. <laughs> Or out of the stadium. I was like, that's like first offense. And they tossed this guy for smoking. Another guy had, did get a couple warnings on smoking cigarettes, but I was like, they wow. They didn't confiscate the weed in my area. They let him Well, 
you were kind of in the middle of a crowd where we were in the second row of seats on the floor, which was really easy for them to confiscate the people. People on the perimeter were the ones that were getting their shit confiscated. They wasn't crossing chairs to get anything off of anybody. People on the perimeters were the one that were having trouble. So strategist, um, if you're planning to do things against the rules in your concerts, don't be on the perimeter of the seats. Yeah. I learned right. that right off jump street. I would recommend if you go to the Guns N' Roses concert to get the tickets for the pit. I I would do that because uh, they're the cheapest tickets. You're right up front. And if you're in my situation, uh, you're going to get touched and groped and all that bullshit anyway you might as well get up front anyway so go for it yeah i mean it's not like fuckers ever sit in their seats you know you're gonna be on your feet in a crowd the whole front row in front of me nobody ever got those seats they were empty oh wow yeah i say they were sold because the seats that we got well that i got that you got me that was StubHub. So I say those were StubHub as well. It's nobody ever bought those tickets off of StubHub. Yeah. So I just say that those just never got secondhand bought. And the other thing, we spent a lot of money on tickets. And by the time we got, I was looking at tickets the day before the show, the prices had dropped pretty good. We could have saved a hundred dollars a ticket. Yeah. Close to what? Well, Eighty dollars a ticket, sixty dollars ticket, probably average. It was worth the price. But you never. It was absolutely. I'm not complaining about that. No, not at all. But yeah. Um, but that depends on your venue you're going to too. You may not be able to get tickets someplace else. You may be fucked on your tickets, and we I didn't was, want to be sitting on the outside looking in. Yeah. So, but yeah, I I would gladly have paid more for them what I did, and it was fucking obscene. Well, we averaged about 360 bucks a pop. Um. Because we had pretty good seats. Yeah, I think I paid three fifty a piece for your original tickets. Yeah, and yours was like three sixty or three eighty or something. That, yeah, and the then after you pay all the bullshit on top of it. So, yeah, it's actually the bullshit on top of it brought out to like four ten. I think <laughs> yeah. it's, like, it's fucking worth it. But if you buy yeah. the uh, it's not like tickets, I was going hungry because of it. Yeah, the, the pit tickets, standing room only. If you're right up front on the Right next to the stage, it's like seventy dollars. Yeah, which you might as well just get that, because then nobody's going off and buying beer and coming back pissed drunk. Because if you leave, you lose your fucking spot. That's the best fucking place to be. You're going to get crushed, but hey, fuck it. You're right next to Axel. So f- now to Axel. Not only could the fucker still sing extremely well, he never stopped moving the whole fucking show. He was all over that stage. The the the, the guitar players all moved around, went to different places, you know, did their big poses and all that stuff. But um, Axel just he could still move extremely well. He can still dance really well. I was surprised. I, I really just figured he'd just kind of stand up and rock back and forth. But yeah, that broken ankle, like, or yeah, or whatever it was. He I'm had. wondering how healed that is. I mean, if he's healed all the way, um, or if it was holding him back even. But I mean, he moved really well. I mean, he was fast. He looked light on his feet. Um, 
So, you know, he fucking owned the crowd. Yep. And he didn't stop over the 40 minutes like he he normally used to do back in the day. No, he never stopped long enough to run over. Like they do like a guitar solo for a minute and that some of them were a little bit extended, but he would run over and you could watch him. He would grab a bottle of water, chug about half of it to keep his throat wet and then throw a jacket or something on for costume. And I mean, he was like 30, 40, 50 seconds rest. And then boom, he was back out there performing. You would never have gotten that out of Axel in 1990. Yeah. But, yeah. He would stop for like a five minute soliloquy. He, he would stop and talk and whatever is pissing him off. Now he'll just walk off in between sets. He'll say, I remember nights like this. It's pretty. And then he'll start the next song. Yeah. Or he'll say something trying to get, not, not that he had to try to get the crowd amped up, but to continue to amp them up. Yeah. You know, he would, he would say something like, well, like the Adler thing. He's like, I got a surprise for you tonight, you know? And, um, yeah, like, I think you remember this guy. I think you remember this guy. I mean, he, his wording, everything, he was cutting promos. Yeah. A little short, quick, 10, 15, 20 words promos, yeah. basically. And, uh, which was weird, know, especially he was just remember. so nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I remember watching the, uh, Chicago, uh, bootleg when he started trying to talk and he's like, People were screaming. Is is like shh, cause when some people were like, "Shut the fuck up, God, woo, yeah, Axel, woo, metal man, do some cocaine, shut the fuck up, man." It's like this is not the Axel I remember. He's being quiet and reserved. What the fuck? Yeah, he looked like he was having a good time. Yeah. So and so did the rest of them. I can't speak for Slash because you can never see his fucking face, but um. I want to say the guy's name is Richard Fordland, and if I got that wrong, I'm sorry. That dude's fucking legit. I think it's Robin is his name, I think. The, the other guitar player? Yeah. Um, he is really, really good. And he put on a really good performance, and Duff looked good. Um, Slash looked good. I don't know what the little the lady on the keyboard Michelle. was. Something Reed, was it? Was it Reed? Michelle's the keyboard is... Keyboardist, she was really good. Um, I'm trying to look. I'm trying to look up a list of who the fucking guy is right now. He on drums. Richard Frank Fair was on drums. Melissa Reese was the keyboardist. Richard Fortis. Richard, yeah, Ford. Yeah, yeah not Fordland. Fortis was the other guitar player, and uh, Dizzy was there. Dizzy. They they did it. They did awesome, man. They were so. I mean, they just kicked fucking ass. Period. So it's like you start wondering, it's like, man, maybe I get like the creative juices flowing and maybe they'll release another album and it'll actually be up to par. They started on time too. And I'll say this, um, Duff sang Attitude from Spaghetti Incident. And I I like that song on Spaghetti Incident. It's really fucking awesome live. <laughs> Attitude. You got a fucking attitude. Yeah, he was good. So, and they changed up their encores as well. They used to do "Don't Cry," but they changed it to "Patience." So, yeah, I recommend it, guys. Just go. 
Just go. Just and fucking the, um, sell your car and go. Pittsburgh was the next show. I think Nashville was Nash, Nashville was the next show. I don't know if Steve was there, but in the Pittsburgh show, you know, Nashville was, but Steve was there, but Steve was not in Pittsburgh. So, from what I've read, I think Steve is having some, um, I think it's his back. He's doing surgery or something like that. I thought he had a stroke or something years ago. But it was nice seeing Steve out there. Would have been real nice to see Izzy out there, but hey, we got four out of five. Yeah. Yeah, we did. Um, I didn't expect that. That was a hell of a surprise. And and this is a quote from Joe Perry. And if you don't know who Joe Perry is, um, you're crazy. But uh, Aerosmith guitarist Joe Perry, who did collapse on stage this week. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah, he's. I guess he's okay, but I'm guessing heat because Guns N' Roses look like people are just constantly pouring water on them. They they sweat so much. But anyways, it was hot as fuck, you know. Um, Guns N' Roses are still an example of how a band can move rock forward. Sometimes you think, how can you top anything by the Yardbirds or Zeppelin or the Stones? And then you hear Guns N' Roses, and it's inspiring. You think that it's all been written, but it hasn't. And I mean, that really sums up. I mean, I know the music's approaching thirty years old. But it just sums up what they did with rock at that time. I mean, literally, the glam bands and hair bands and stuff. I don't even know if people were expecting it to end, but it did. Hmm. <laughs> the minute Appetite hit the fucking airwaves, that shit started changing. And I mean, because that was rock. That, that you know, I loved the hair band and the glam stuff. Don't get me wrong, but Guns and Roses was just an evolution. They're they're one of the few bands that can say that. There's there's some bands out there that can say that, and Guns is one of them. And the show was great. So, and maybe I'm just caught up in nostalgia and caught up in my first concert experience. But I mean, their music has always spoke for itself. So, huh? They think he had cardiac arrest. Say what? Yeah, they think he had a heart attack. Okay, I thought he had like a mild heat stroke or something. My wife's wanting to go see them really badly, and I would like to go see them too. Yeah, see that. Yeah. Claps backstage at Hollywood Vampire Show. Okay. Yeah. Waiting word. But on to happier things. Yes. It was a good concert. It was a horrible experience. One of the worst nights of my life. It should have been great. But uh, the good news is Axel will be coming back to tour again in America with uh, ACDC when they come back. So if you missed the Guns N' Roses tour, you can still maybe catch Axel Rose with ACDC. So don't know when there's going to be another Guns N' Roses tour if they're ever will be another Guns N' Roses tour, but 
It still goes on until, I believe, August. I think it ends in San Diego. So, Guns and Fucking Roses. Um, still catch them if you can. And that will be it. This is a long show. Next week will be shorter. Scott, is there anything you need to add? That's it. Go see Guns N' Roses. Yes, especially... Especially if you never have. And especially... This is probably uh, your last chance. Yeah. Especially some of the bigger shows in the Atlanta, New Orleans, Florida shows because you get to see the cult. Fuckers. Would have been nice if we got the cult or Alice in Chains, but we didn't. All right. That's it. Goodbye.